Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. So I welcome all of you to today's service, our last Sunday for the year. Hallelujah. Isn't God awesome? Hallelujah. I welcome those of you watching online, in the basement, and anybody in the overflow. I say welcome in Jesus' name. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father and our God, we just worship you, Lord. We bless your name. Daddy, we just exalt you. We loud and honor you, for you are God. You alone are God, the only true and living God. The triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Daddy, we bow before you at this time. Thank you, thank you, thank you for today. You brought all of us again to the end of this year. Thank you for every family represented in this church. We thank you for all of us. Father, we thank you for the privilege of coming before you today again to hear from you. Lord, I just yield myself, my mouth, everything to you, thoughts and words. And I ask that you speak through me to all of us. That we pray for understanding. We pray, oh God, for revelation knowledge. We pray that your children will receive this word with a tender heart. And that at the end of it all, only Jesus will be glorified. And our joy shall be full. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So today, we're talking about dead to sin and a life unto God. The text is Romans 6, 11. And I read, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So... As a Christian, all of us, we know there are certain areas in our lives that we're praying for God to touch us. If you're a genuine Christian, you know you are, you all are. There are things in your life you've seen, some challenges that come, whether it is materialistic, whether it is relational. But there are things that you see and they're not supposed to be the way God wants them to be. And it agonizes you because you're a child of God. So today, whether whatever that sin is, I call it a sin. I call it a sin. But there might be certain sin for some of us. Some of them, it could be presumptuous. You know the right thing, you just don't want to do it. Whatever it is, today the Lord will touch all of us and bring a radical change in our relationship with our parents, our spouses, our neighbors, our co-workers, brothers, sisters in the church. Our lives will be transformed. It will never be the same. And God's purpose for this message will be fulfilled in Jesus' name. So like I said, 
I'm looking for, the Bible talks about besetting sins. In fact, when you go to the book of Hebrews, you can put it up. I'm still trying to find it. Hebrews 12, 11, 12, 1. He says, wherefore, seeing that we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Sins that so easily beset you. They are besetting sins. And according to the dictionary, it says, these sins refers to a, ma a, a, a main or constant pro problem or fault. Basically, a besetting sin is one that we constantly struggle with and toward which we are naturally inclined. I don't know which one is yours. Maybe it's a big mouth. We talk out of tune. Maybe... It's anger, uncontrolled anger. When you're angry, liability under pressure is zero. You talk, you cannot control yourself, and nobody can hold you down. For some people, it might be gossiping. They can't help by, but what my sister, don't forget sister, don't I? Praise the Lord. They say even things they not, that, you know, they're not supposed to say, and they don't know. It's a besetting sin. Whatever your own is, that nagging wife, that tyrant of a husband, that disobedient child, stubborn, rebellious, that worker that tends to hide away small things here and there and still government time, call out even when they're not supposed to. There are lies. These are besetting sins. Of course, you have other sins. Sin is sin, whether it is mother, adultery, fornication. But all these sins today, some of them are besetting because sometimes you, some people like that, they can't even control themselves. Whatever they see something that doesn't belong to them. We know there are people like that. Amen? So everyone has one. So before, but then the good thing is that we don't understand that these things can block our blessings. I want you to look at you this year. What do you plan? It's not um, New Year resolution, no. Because we resolve those things and we find ourselves back to square one. We're going to find how we're going to do it. That this year will not be like next year. That next year will be better. You're going higher spiritually. You're going higher. You're going to be what God said you will be. And you can do all he said you can do because you're getting rid of besetting sins. In Jesus' name, so shall it be. For me, I'm going. Praise the Lord. So the most terrible thing, I'm just quoting this Vodi book. He said the most terrible thing about a life of sin, whether it is besetting, whatever you call it, is that you are not open to the blessings of God. He says that common graces are not the real blessings. We know that of God. He said they pale in comparison to these spiritual promises that God has made to us. 
I was listening to a man back home. He said, you know, Christians, God has prepared so much for us. Oh, this is a stream. This is a river. Just go there. Fetch as much as you want. Some people will come with trucks, gongoro, and carry, fill up. Some will come with small cups. That is how it is. The blessings of God. It's like you have a full drum of water in here. And then what do you do? You're trying to, 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 to fight and struggle to just get a cup of it. But today, we're going to learn how do we get there when these blessings, the promises of God become a reality in our lives, we begin to experience them. Praise the Lord. So the topic again is dead to sin. But before we, you know, I get to dead to sin, you talk about dead in sin. We were dead in sin, right? Until we made the Lord. So I'm going to look at Romans 5. 12, and then 18 to 21. It says, when Adam sinned, I just, it's a little, a little kind of, you know, thing to refresh your memories. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam sinned brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise the Lord. That's a huge transition. We move now from where we were, dead in sin, to where we are right now, dead to sin. Amen? Let's look at a little, um, this, let's look at this passage. People will always ask me, what is wrong with your church? All they preach is grace. Are they giving people license to sin now? Are they saying that God doesn't care about sin? No matter how much you try to explain grace, their mind is made up. Andrew Womack said, there are people who not even let the word of God affect them in any way to change what they think or what they feel, to get in their way. Praise the Lord. So you look at somebody like that, you explain the much you can, then you forget. And ask God to help him by his spirit so he can understand grace. Amen? So Colossians 2, 11 to 15 says, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life. Because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against you and I and took them, nailed them took it away by nailing it to the cross. So in this way, he disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly 
by his victory over them on the cross. I wanted to read this passage so that some of us who are also quarreling, why would God not punish somebody? Why wouldn't he punish somebody for their sin? This passage I just read is for you. You cannot do what? Improve on God. God said, your sins, I forgive your sins. Where we read verse 13, it said, God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. People have problems. They have a problem with that. As if you can improve on God. You can't. Praise the Lord. What we need to do is to believe this and begin to rejoice. That is grace. You're getting what you don't even deserve. Praise the Lord. What we deserve, we're not even getting it. Let's look at Isaiah 54, 9. It says, For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah will no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I should not be angry with you, nor rebuke you. Hebrews 8, 12 says, And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. The Hebrew 10, 17 says, Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. We should be rejoicing. Why are we quarreling with God? He said, I will never again, I will never again punish your sins. I will never again be wroth with you, be angry with you. I will never again remember any of these, your lawless deeds. We should be rejoicing every day, singing hallelujah. What an awesome God we have. So it's for the benefit of those of you because people are monsters are also querying why. Why should we continue saying that God has overlooked these things? You've heard these scriptures. I pray that this year, maybe you didn't know this, but from now you begin to take advantage of your position, who you are in Christ, and begin to praise God and begin to enjoy all that he has already destined for you to enjoy. But your sins and unbelief and doubts and everything keep blocking us. But next year is a different ball game. Amen. Who is going with me next year? I'm going higher. Amen. I will not miss anything that God prepared for me. I don't know about you. Amen. We're going to read some scriptures from Romans. We're going to read, it's going to be, it's a little bit dicey. I'll be reading from Romans 1, 6, 1 to 14. But I'll be every passage, that's as the Spirit of God helped me this year. Every verse may be a different um, translation. But I plead with people there in that, um, what do you call them, production people, to please bear with me. Romans 6, 1 to 2, I'm reading from 1 to 14, I'll be talking about that. Romans 6, 1 to 2, NLT says, well then, so people like these ones have been trying to explain to you. They now had what happened, what God said in that um, Ephesians, that you never again. Remember our sins, our lawless, he never punish it again. Because everything has been put on Christ. God punish him. Will affliction come a second time? Bible said no. He paid for the sin. It was a good one, perfect job. Because of those ones, that's why. People like that, in the days of um, Paul, they were asking. They said, ah, so, where, so well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? APMC said, uh, that's Amplified Classic. He says, certainly not. 
How can we who die to sin live in it any longer? Told you I like to play around with all the translations. Listen to what TPT, see, passion said, TPT, that's the passion said, what a terrible thought. Why are you guys thinking like this? What have, we have died to sin once and for all. As a dead man passes away from this life, so how could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Paul was saying this. So you see, people that have been claiming that grace, people don't deserve grace. Paul just refuted. He was just refuting everything. All those charges brought against him that his teaching was giving people license to sin. That his teaching, he was teaching that God justifies the ungodly people not by grace, but by grace through faith alone. That he shouldn't teach that. Why would he teach that people are justified apart from any merit that his teaching was leading to licentiousness? But Paul said no. Praise the Lord. It's not like, nothing like that. He said, no way. The gospel, his preaching, is against continuing to sin after you have known the truth. Praise God. So we know that the only way to be free from sin is through death. Fortunately, there is a way, thank God for Christians, that we have to die with Christ by faith. Because it is only through death that we'll be free of sin. You know, I remember Young Cho. I was reading a book about, um, I think it was Romans chapter 7. He was giving an example with somebody, a married man and woman. He said, when, okay, I think he was saying, when somebody dies, right? A spouse dies. He says, they are dead, they are gone forever. Whatever it is to have that relationship with that spouse has been terminated. It cannot follow you beyond the grave. Praise the Lord. We are dead to sin like that. Look at it like that. You're dead to sin. You don't owe sin anything again. He has no right to call shots. He cannot call the shots now. So remember the conversation. Paul was refuting all that we are claiming. How can we who have died to sin continue to live in it? We have died to sin. We have, tell yourself, I have died to sin. I cannot continue to live in it. Come 2022, sin will not have dominion over me. Amen, and so shall it be. So the dialogue continued. Verse 3, Paul said, Oh, have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, they were immersed into union with his death? Or have you forgotten, says NLT, that when we were joined with Christ, Jesus, with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined, we joined him in his death? That is what baptism is. When you were baptized, you were put deep down into the water and then you were brought up again. It's a picture of that spiritual work that God did on the inside of you. When you went down, you were dying with him. When they brought you up, you resurrected with Christ. Why, Why would he remind us of these truths? Why is it important? 
like I said, is because the only way to be free of sin is through death. And that is why after you've done your baptism, you're now, when you do your baptism, then you're proclaiming to people, this is who you are. Praise the Lord, a child of God. Paul probably knew that people are likely to forget this new position in Christ. They are likely to forget our union with him in his death and resurrection. So Paul kept on reminding us. Because why would he continue to remind us? Because this foundation, the foundation for holy living is in that death, our union with Christ in his death and his resurrection. That is just the foundation. Praise the Lord. Let us look at Romans 6, 4. Passion. It says, sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried with him. So that when the Father slowly raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him. So that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. Why were we joined with Christ? Why that union? When it says so that, so that we could be empowered, that is where you get your empowerment, our union with him. That's what empowers us to walk in the freshness of this new life. Amen. That's why you should rejoice, you know. It is your union with him. You died with him. You were buried. You resurrected into this newness of life. That is the power to be victorious over sin. Amen. It's the foundation. So we share in his death and resurrection. Our baptism is a picture of our being spiritually united with Christ. Praise God. So our union with him in his death and resurrection gives us the freedom, the freedom we're talking about from being slave to sin. It gives you the freedom from being slave to sin. And like I said, enables us to walk in newness of life. Thank God for sharing. He shared with us. We shared with him all those things we talked about, identification. I started seeing them when I was reading. Our union with Christ. Is so awesome. That is the foundation for us, being victorious over sin. Amen. You are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Oh, God help me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as a savior, he's a new creature, renewed by the Holy, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. A recreated spirit. That's why we're talking. See you. Complain. We're sharing his life. We're sharing his nature. We're sharing his love. Some of his attributes also. Praise God. And you know what? Because now Christ is in us. And you keep telling yourself that you're dead to sin. The senses, because this flesh, the senses, these senses, they will not, once you keep reminding yourself, you're dead. You're dead to sin. And you really mean it. And you're trusting the Holy Spirit. 
your senses will begin to lose that dominion over you. It will begin to lose its power, dominion over you. Because you're now a new creature. That your senses will begin to cease to be your master. Now, when you talk to your husband, you don't yell at him. You know you're dead to sin. You don't lie. You don't steal. You don't hate people. You don't gossip. You're a new creature, the recreated spirit. You're joined with Christ. And you've been empowered to live above these besetting sins. Amen. You know, that is why he made us say where his workmanship. Where his, and he has done what? He has enabled you. When he calls, he enables, he gives you the enablement. We are created in Christ for good works. Not complaining and hating and jealousy and division and factions in the church and in your neighborhood, you're the troublemaker at work. No, he created you for something else. You're his workmanship to do good works. And then he has prepared you to walk in his will. The works are already prepared for us, but not the one we used to. Now that we're a Christian, all we're looking after next year is to go ahead and to do those good works that he has prepared you for. Amen? You have his ability. He's been given to us. We have his strength at our disposal. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Everything he's asking you to do, those good works, are within the range of the ability he has given you. Amen? We partake of the nature of the divine nature. See, we must yield to this inward life next year. We must yield in everything. We must not be reactants. You know, in chemistry, you have the reactants and the products. Everything you react, everything you react. No. Come next year, you are a different person. Your husband wants to come home to you to a cool refrigerator. Oh, 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 me too, too. Amen. My husband, before you can say Jack Robinson, he's home. Amen. And women, you know now, God has given you everything. Eh? Apart from this, the main, the main one, knowing that you're dead to sin because you're united with Christ. You become a loving husband. Next year, nobody will hear the complaint about you. Pastor, mommy, you know, my husband in the church is a different man from the one I see at home. No. Now, the testimony about you, oh my God, God bless my husband for me. He's so loving, so caring. This is your portion next year, amen, in Jesus' name. We're going forward. You know, Paul said I was crucified. My old identity has been co-crucified with Christ. Our old identity, huh, that troublemaker husband, wife, child, friend, the neighbor, has been crucified with Christ. That's what Paul is saying. And the same thing. He says, and now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, but the anointed one lives his life through me. Let him live his life now. Yield. Let him live his life through you next year. The anointed one lives in you, and he lives his life through you. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, dispensing his life into mine. 
whenever I hear this dispensing and that we are grafted into him, you begin to think about that um, where Jesus said, I'm the, I'm the true vine, right? You are the branches. Paul said he's dispensing his life into mine. That is what is happening. The vine keeps dispensing his life into you. You're the branch. He keeps dispensing his life into us. On a day steady, he keeps dispensing, and Paul knew it. You should know that you join to Christ. You're the branch. He is the vine, and his life keeps, he keeps dispensing his life, like we read here. By the way, this is the Passion Translation. Remember that you are the branches and begin to feed upon the very nature and life of God in Christ that he has given you the permission to do. Amen? He created you for that. The very life and substance of the deity of God pours out of the vine into the branch. His life keeps, like Paul said, and this is our portion, we begin to, you know, experience it. Ah, he's pouring his life into me, dispensing it. Amen? Okay. We have to be quick. So, let's go to verse 6. He says, could it be any clearer that our former identity is now forever deprived of its power? And I'm asking why. For we were co-crucified with him, to dismantle the stronghold of sin within you. That's why you died with him, to dismantle that stronghold of sin within us, so that we would not continue to live one moment longer, submitted. Thank you. Thank you, Daddy. I told you. <laughs> mm. So this power, the power of sin has been dismantled. That stronghold has been dismantled so that you will now continue to live one moment. You will no longer live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. So that when somebody talks, you don't go off and fly off the handle. People will begin to see maturity, ability to do what? Just like Christ, to absorb everything. Amen. I'm trying to see, pick, pick, pick. Then when you go to New King James, there's something very important. It says, knowing, the same verse 6. It says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. It says, that the body of sin might be done away with. The same thing. But it says, knowing, my point here is, why did he say knowing this? Why did he say knowing this? It's important that you know the right thing. Wrong thinking will hurt you. Wrong believing will hurt you. He says knowing. We need to take time to read the word of God, to study, to meditate, to know who you are in Christ, your position, that you are joined to him. He says knowing is very important to know. We need to know. Why would Paul say knowing this? If to know, that knowledge is not important. It's not the knowledge that you say, okay, you've got it. No, it's the knowledge. It means like knowledge, raw knowledge. Amen. Praise the Lord. Know that your old self was crucified with him 
in order that your body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Who has died here spiritually? Yes, you're free from sin. It's time for us to stand and say no. No, this is contrary to who I am. This is contrary to what God wants me to be. This is contrary to what he wants me to do. Knowing, knowing that your old self, that old nagging tyrant husband, nagging wife, rebellious child, and probably, probably some um, troublesome parents, whatever, your own, that one is, is closed leaf. Topic, that one is closed. Amen. Knowing this, in other words, it's not a question of trying to feel it. Oh, I didn't feel it, you know. No. You are not going to feel that, you know, your crucifixion with Christ. No. It's something that you need to know because God's word, God's word said so. The word of God says knowing, praise the Lord. Endeavor to know. Amen. These verses are so important. I'll quickly skip all these and quickly go again to verse 9. Verse 9 says, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is still the same thing, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. But there's something else that he says. He says, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the sacrifice, for by his sacrifice he died to sin's power once and for all. But he now lives continuously from the father's, for the father's pleasure. Then verse 11 now says, So let it be the same thing with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continuously, like Christ, view yourselves as dead, like Christ. View yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal. The way she spoke to you, you need to speak back. The way she talked about you, you need to hit back. The way your husband, you need to pay him back so he will learn. The way my wife, she did it, I'm going to withhold my love. I'm going to cut down. From her money, food money. No. He says, you be like Christ. No, Christ has died once and for all. He will not die again. What he does now, he's living a life just to do his father's will. So let it be the same thing with you. You must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal. Why living daily for God's pleasure? Who is living for God's pleasure next year? I am. While living for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. Praise the Lord. Will you live for God's pleasure 2020, 2022? Will you live for God's pleasure? Amen. It shall be unto you according to what you said. I like how this translation says, Consider yourselves dead to sin and your relationship to it broken. Your relationship has been broken by virtue of that, your union with Christ. But now you are alive to God. And like Christ, you're living in unbroken fellowship with him. 
consider yourselves dead to sin and your relationship to it broken. Amen. Praise the Lord. God will help me. So let's go quickly to <clears throat> let us look at Romans 12. Or should I let's go to Romans 14 23? Sin is sin. Let us even look at what is sin. He says, He who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. It is sin. If you're not doing worshiping God the way you ought to, doing the right thing by your spouse, by your pastor, by your child, by your whatever, he says it is sin. James 4.17 says, so if you know an opportunity, if you know an opportunity to do the right thing today, yet you refrain from doing it, you are guilty of sin. 1 John 5.17 says, all wrongdoing is sin. And there is sin which does not, oh God. My thing keeps, it keeps moving up. It does not involve death. So sin is it's not what you think. That you are dead to sin also doesn't mean that you cannot sin. Listen to this. People can say, oh, so now that I'm dead to sin, so I cannot sin. I didn't say so. Let's see what the Bible says. It says, First John 2, 1. My little children, I write to you this thing so that you may not violate God's law and sin. But if anyone should sin... Which means that you can still sin. He said, but you have an advocate. Praise the Lord. So Christians can sin, but you know what to do. Quickly repent, ask for forgiveness, and move on. He's, he has already forgiven you, both the ones you are yet to sin, because he forgave you before you were even born. Amen. Let's go to Colossians 3. It says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. If you're serious about being a born-again Christian and you're living in this new resurrection life, he says, act like it. And how are you going to act to show that you're acting like it? Begin to pursue the things over which Christ presides. Says, don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorb with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from Christ's perspective. See things from whose perspective? Christ, not yours. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spirit. Spectators is with Christ in God. He is your life. If Christ is your life, you should be looking up to him, right? When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, then you show up too. For now, he says to do what? Be content with obscurity like Christ. Amen? Make yourself of no importance. Just be in the background. People will notice you. You don't have to fight and talk and claim your rights the way I am. Why would she talk to me? Our other says, can they, can they want? Why would they talk to me like that, treat me like that? No. He says, your life is with him. When he appears, you also will appear with him. For now, he says, be what? Content with obscurity, like Christ. Amen? 
I always, um, in John 8, 28, it says, I always do the things that are pleasing to my father. So we, the new creation, should also desire and want and hunger for it. Be hungry for those things that are pleasing to God. That is how Christ, he says, I always do what my father tells me to do. That's all he does. So if you're struggling with sin, they say, going forward, this is not your portion. Your only desire or craving will be just to do what pleases your father in heaven. Praise the Lord. Let's look at Colossians 3, 5 to 10. He says, live as one who has died to every form of sexual sin and impurity. Live, if that is your own issue, your own sin. David has, you know, uh, besetting sins. Abraham and Isaac, they denied their wives. Isn't it? Couple of times, not just once. We know King David, right? They also have their own besetting sins. Says, live as one who has died to the desires for forbidding things, including the desire for wealth, which is which is the essence of idol worship. When you live in these vices, he said, you are igniting the anger of God. Praise the Lord. He said, that's how you once behaved, characterized by your evil deeds. But now, say, but now. Now that you are dead to sin, it's time to eliminate all those vices. Eliminate them from your lives once and for all, including the anger, the fits of rage, all forms of hatred, cursing, gossip, lying, all of them. He says, eliminate them. Who will do it for you? You will do it once and for all. Praise the Lord. I think I'll quickly go to see if there's any solution for us that will help us. So you have to love. Colossians 3, 12 to 14. You're always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourselves in virtues of God. Come next year. We walk like our father. We have the nature of Christ. All those attributes that are still in you. That love, his kind of love has been shed abroad in your heart. You have it. You have his nature of love. Praise the Lord. He said we should be merciful. Endeavor to understand others. Be compassionate. Showing kindness towards all. Be gentle and humble. Unoffended in your patience with others. Not, mm, mm. No. He says, just be gentle, even when you're offended. Be patient. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith. If that begins to happen here, don't happen here. You know what it will be? This will be like heaven on earth, and that's what it's supposed to be. Forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Christ. He says, for love is supreme and must follow through each of these virtues that we're talking about. Amen? So I'm looking at forgiveness of sin. I will just read Romans 12, 17, what it says about forgiveness. Okay. It says, don't hit back. I think I'm reading message. It says, don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you discover beauty in everyone, you know what it means. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting evil. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it, praise God. So you see, say forgiveness is, and then I say forgiveness is an act of faith too. Honestly, because sometimes we don't trust that God is going to be able to handle this person for what he did to me. Trust God. Ah, God, I don't know if God, my spouse, if he's going to do this thing. No, my husband, I don't know. Trust him. Praise the Lord. Forgive, even as Christ has forgiven you. 
praise the Lord. Because this forgiveness is a problem. It is a problem. Don't give the enemy mastery of your will. At that time when the pressure is mounting, don't give him control, dominion, mastery of your will. No. Do according to what Christ would have done. People that spat on him. He went to, uh, Peter denied him how many times? He came out, he was looking for Peter. He didn't know, he doesn't know those things. Praise the Lord. He said, that is what you must do. Concerning forgiveness, it says, being in readiness to punish, I'm reading 2 Corinthians 10, 6. It says, being in readiness to punish every insubordination for this, for his disobedience, when your own submission and obedience as a church are fully secured and complete. See, you, when you are dealing with your spouse, or whoever it is, and you're saying, God, I didn't do it. God, you have to teach him. God, you have to teach her. God, you have to teach that sister. God, you have to revenge for me. You will rise for me. You will avenge. Oh, yes. Have you been doing your own part of it? Because that's not avenging anything unless your own um, obedience has been complete. Keep loving your, husband, your, your wife. Don't worry. She doesn't cook meal. If she doesn't cook you dinner, if she goes out, if she does, don't worry. If she doesn't even be, do what she has to do, she needs to do. You know, I say, wife, don't worry. Just be doing your own part, loving her sacrificially, unconditionally. As Christ loved the church and watch him do the battle for you. Because your own obedience must be complete for God to stand for you. You can't be walking in disobedience and you're asking God to fight your battle. Does it happen like that? Keep doing the right thing. Keep loving that sister. Keep loving that brother. Keep loving that neighbor. Keep doing, I'll tell you a story. Back home. That I have um, a neighbor downstairs, and I just came back from U.S. with two kids, and you should have seen me then, praise the Lord. And then um, I will come out in the morning, ha, one Yurumoto, one Yuruvovo, Gawala, the Volvo woman, the front uh, seat Volvo woman. Hey, I'm coming back as soon as I, because she lives downstairs, and you have to pass through her, the, this, the, the narrow path, you have to go through her house. She's like, ha. <laughs> Everything I did was a problem. I didn't know. <laughs> but I kept on. Hey, I will greet her. Madam, I will greet her. As I'm going out, as I'm coming back, I'm praying. God, don't let her be there. Don't let her be in that window to see me. Then she will be there. Then eventually, she moved. They moved. I don't know where they moved to. But I had a son in the Lord back home. The mother was awesome. No, I said was because she just passed. So one day, somebody walked into my house. Because somebody, you know, you press the bell, I open. That's Mama Ike, Ike's mom. That's my friend. That's my son in the Lord, his mom. And then behind her, I'm looking at Mama Chidema. I say, hey, God, what, what, what happened? What did I do? So she came in. And but she was kind of, she wasn't very comfortable. She sat down. So I quickly greeted them. I went to the house and God prepares you. I, have, I had the best. You know in Nigeria now, we only have stew with big, 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 big beef in that stew. <laughs> I quickly packed the thing in a breakable plate and just mounted some rice, heaped. Uh, and I brought it out. I set it on the table. And I called my own friend, my son in the Lord. The man said, Mommy Ike, oh yeah, to the table. I said, Machi de Moyana. Oh, email, thank you. But I didn't know she would go. She went to the table and she ate. 
she ate until the last thing. I had to tie something for her. <laughs> she took away. Yes, what I said on the table, she had to, you know what? That was how that relationship got healed. Praise the Lord. Because I was there just loving her. So do your own and let God do your battle. Amen. So we need to love. And you know something about when you are in, you know, log ahead with somebody. You have a, remember you have a recreated spirit. You have God's kind of love in you. You know, you are partaking of his divine nature. You know something that when you lose your temper because of somebody that accused you and you lose your temper, guess what? That person is superior to you in some way. You know that? You're losing your temper for them. He's superior to you. You wouldn't lose your temper if that person hadn't outwitted, outwitted you. They deceived you, they outsmarted you, and you lost your temper. But if you're walking in love, loving that person, and they're hurting you, you can't lose your temper. Right? Because love, you know, our love doesn't count wrongs. It doesn't even take notice of all those things. You being angry, whoever is making you angry, becomes your master. They're controlling you. You shout, you scream, you kick, you curse because they did something. Ha! Huh. When I found out this, and I said, eh, no wonder Pastor Dorothy, this woman, <laughs> praise the Lord. We rise up in God. That is what it is. We rise up in love. We walk in love. You know, we show them love. We live this God's kind of love. And it makes, it makes you to be the master now of that person that has been making you get angry. You become the master. Those unpleasant things your spouse says will no longer bother you. You're now the master. Because love is not easily irritated. It doesn't really lose its balance like that or composure quickly. Praise God. It doesn't. It is the master of everything. It masters every situation. That Jesus kind of love. It conquers every, every situation. They may stone you. They may beat you up. They may do all kinds of things to you. They may take you captive like Christ. But guess what? When they take you captive right there, you become their captive. But then, inside, who becomes the master? You become the master. Jesus allowed them. They took him captive. But who is the master? Jesus. Don't let anybody ruffle your skin. Get under your skin. You're the stronger one. You have the love of God in you. Bring it out and treat them like Christ treated his enemies. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let us quickly go to Galatians. I'm looking at Galatians 5, 16 to 18. My counsel is this. That's MSG. My counsel is this. Live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit then you won't feel the compulsions of selfishness. This seems about selfishness. Me, 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 all about you. He says that when you, he says this is a cancer, you have to live freely. You have to be motivated by the spirit of God. Then you will not be feeding that compulsive you, that selfishness in you. You'll be depriving them, praise the Lord. You will not feed that selfishness. But you have to allow the Holy Spirit, Amen. So I wanted to look at the TPT. It says, let me emphasize this. As you yield, it is a done deal. As you strive for mastery over sin. You're not, the battle has already been won, right? Christ already won the battle. You're being joined with him. 
that union with him, the battle has been won for you. So that you know that at the end of it all, victory is yours. But we need to yield. Who will not say they've not had the Holy Spirit whisper something in your ear before you go off like a wild cat? It always whispers in that soft, soft voice. But we disregard it. We do what we want to do. He says, as you yield to this dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. You will abandon the craving of that, because it's all about the senses. Praise the Lord. You need to yield, he says in verse 18. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but you'll be soaring above the law. You'll do more than keep the law. Amen. I want to read 25 in this one. It says, if the spirit is the source of our life, we must, do, we must also allow the spirit to direct every aspect of our lives. As a wife, as a mother, as a husband, whatever. Allow the spirit to direct every aspect of your life. Amen. This coming year, 2022, you're going to be like Paul. Paul said, in Corinthians 9.26, I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadowing, shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. But the most important is that he's training his body. We need to train us. We need to quickly go to Romans 12.1-2. He says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. He said, this is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind needs to be renewed. We need to reckon it, consider it, know that you need a new, um, um, a new, a renewal of mind. As we say, just says, offer your body, everything about you, all your members, this very body that, you know, carries the senses, the senses that make us to just behave widely. Do not let that senses to control you. 2022, the flesh, the senses will not control you. You're not going to submit to the senses, but you have to offer everything, this body, as a living sacrifice to him. All the knowledge of the mind, everything we know comes from the senses. The way they, they talk, what you feel, what you hear, and all those things. They are all your mind. That is how it is controlled, every information. But then, you must have to bring the senses. You cannot renew it, but you can bring it under subjection to the word of God. And as you continue to read the word of God, going forward, preparing for next year, you leave that word. You practice what you read. The Holy Spirit will use that word to do what? To begin to change you, change you, transform you. Transformation comes. You go from that ugly lava to the beautiful butterfly. Amen. Praise the Lord. Shall we pray? In Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Daddy. We thank you for this word you brought now. 
I pray, Lord, that this word will continue to ring in our ears. Open our eyes the more. Give us more understanding of this word. Give us revelation knowledge as we go through the book of Romans chapter 6 to see what you've done for us, to see our position in Christ so that we'll be all you want us to be and we can do all you want us to do. Come 2022. In Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord.